is Dr. Rubina Heptula with Dr. Maya Gorbel. And we are here today for our uh, weekly podcast. And today we are going to be talking about some neurological complications that are associated with arthritis of the spine. So welcome, Dr. Gorbel, our uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation physician at Millennium Medical and Rehab. Hi, good morning everybody. I hope you are all doing well and staying safe and healthy. Uh, So today I'd like to address some issues that I see, um, you know, I I would say not quite frequently, but I I do see uh, within the practice uh, in patients who do come in for neck pain or low back pain and end up having some arthritis with associated issues either affecting the nerves coming out of the spine or with the spinal cord itself. So what are some of the causes of these neurological complications when patients have arthritis and specifically if they have arthritis of the spine? So arthritis of the spine often occurs with um, with narrowing of the spinal canal or narrowing of the areas called foramina in in the spine where the nerves come from the spine that go to the arms and the legs and also to the to the back um, so so basically a spinal spondylosis or arthritis uh, which causes narrowing of the areas where the spinal nerves come from can cause some impingement onto the nerve roots in those specific affected areas and that is called a radiculopathy this most commonly occurs either in the neck or the cervical spine or in the low back or the lumbar spine so those can also cause uh, some neurologic deficits that we always check for and that we do sometimes see with the radiculopathy uh, furthermore um, more more severe arthritic changes or a large disc herniation Uh, in the spine can cause impingement on the spinal cord itself and that uh, issue of the spinal cord is called myelopathy. This uh, most commonly occurs in the neck or the the cervical spine and is called cervical myelopathy. So the the neck is an area of a lot of mobility and so that's why a lot of arthritis and disc herniations develop in this area and uh, cause cervical myelopathy. In the mid-spine, called the thoracic spine, uh, instability or, or significant arthritic changes or disc herniations are not as common because the thoracic spine is not as mobile. It's bound on both sides by the rib cage, which makes it more stable. And so these issues don't occur as often in, uh, in the mid-spine. And also in the low back or the lumbar spine, it's highly unlikely that the spinal cord impingement will occur because the spinal cord uh, will typically end about L1 level, which is the very top of the lumbar spine. So we mostly become concerned of uh, cervical myelopathy in patients, which can cause a lot of issues. So what kind of symptoms should uh, the patients be on the lookout for if they have had arthritis uh, and specifically if they know that they have arthritis of the spine? 
there are a lot of things that patients can look for. Um, they're not always present in every patient, uh, but they can be present in a variation uh, of combinations. So with radiculopathy, the patients often have electric or burning type of pain that radiates either from the neck down into the arm or arms, if it's on both sides, or from the low back down uh, through the, uh, the thigh and the legs. And so this pain is often like a burning sensation described by patients, it can be shooting pain. Um, you can also have pain that radiates to the shoulder if you have a uh, impingement of a nerve in the, uh, in the neck. Uh, in the low back, you can also have some radiation like to the to the thigh or the you know the groin region, which is not as as typical uh, for the radiculopathy. In addition to the pain, more significant um, findings that actually show neurologic involvement or nerve impingement are weakness in a specific uh, muscle group or numbness in a specific distribution that is affected by that nerve root. Those are some of the um, uh, important things patients can look for. And also if they notice any muscle wasting in a specific area or um, change in um, handwriting or walking because of specific muscle, muscle weakness, that's important to note as well. Uh, with myelopathy, the, the symptoms may be a little bit more subtle if it's a chronic problem that's been building up for a long time. Patients may or may not have uh, a lot of neck pain necessarily. Um, they may start to experience some numbness or tingling in all the fingers of both hands. This is kind of varies from the radiculopathy because it's um, not specific to the specific distribution of that nerve root. So this is more of a general um, paresthesias, numbness, tingling in the fingers of, of both hands. Patients may find that they are getting um, somewhat clumsy when they're trying to do some activities with the hands like buttoning or zippers. They may find changes in their handwriting um, and difficulty with writing. Those are some important things to, to note. Also muscle wasting can occur in the arms um, would be most notable around the triceps area and also in the forearms and the small muscles in the hands. So that's important to pay attention to. Patients also will develop uh, with the more advanced uh, spinal cord impingement, they will develop some balance difficulties, difficulties with walking. They may develop issues with the bowel and bladder control, like difficulty with um, controlling their bowel. They may have accidents. They may have some retention of the urine and difficulty with emptying their bladder. They may also develop stiffness in the muscles, uh, and this can cause change in, in the, how they're walking also. So uh, how do you think that uh, patients can get the diagnosis of myelopathy? Sure. So patients basically should have a very thorough neurologic exam. This can be done uh, more likely by either a neurologist or a physical medicine specialist like myself. I always check, uh, you know, I do a thorough neurologic exam on any new patient, uh, especially patients with neck issues. Um, this, this includes uh, a very good examination, um, visually of inspection of any muscles uh, to look for muscle wasting, muscle atrophy. 
um, a good exam of the muscle strength to check, uh, you know, if there is any specific weakness in a muscle group or muscle area. Uh, checking a sensation both with um, just light touch and also you can check sensation with a pin prick using various uh, more sharp modalities. Also, checking the reflexes are very important. Uh, in radiculopathy, the reflex usually is, is decreased at that specific area where the nerve root is affected. But in myelopathy, the spinal cord impingement actually causes increased reflexes. And those are typically uh, on both sides, in the arms and legs. It could be more on one side than the other, depending where the uh, spinal cord is pinched. Uh, but usually there would be ref uh, you know increase and that would be abnormal, especially in the elderly population that's abnormal. And patients may have some increased tightness or we call that spasticity in the muscles and we also check for that. Uh, a gait assessment and looking at how the patient is walking is very important to see if, you know, is it a really wide-based gait? Are they off balance? Are they able to walk on the heels and toes? Can they do a tandem walk, which is walking with one foot in front of the other? Uh, that is also important, uh, making sure to see if they need an assistive device, like a walker or, uh, or a cane. Other diagnostic studies can include EMG, which is electromyography, which checks how the nerves are working, and also MRI to really look uh, specifically at any impingement of the nerve roots or impingement of the, of the spinal cord on the imaging itself. I was wondering, um, what are some of the treatment options if a patient has been diagnosed with radiculopathy or myelopathy? There are a lot of options, actually. Uh, for radiculopathy, one of the first things you want to do is have a good trial of physical therapy. This would include uh, strengthening of the muscles that are weak, uh, normalizing kind of the posture, doing some postural retraining and education on proper lifting techniques and body mechanics, stretching some muscles that may be too tight. Traction also can be helpful for relieving some uh, impingement onto those nerve roots either in the spine or in the low back. The effects typically are temporary, but they may, you know, they may be helpful. Also manipulation, either chiropractic manipulation or osteopathic manipulation are very helpful uh, for relieving pain acupuncture, specific medications can be helpful, especially in, in the acute phase of radiculopathy or nerve impingement. Uh, steroids may be helpful to calm down the inflammation. Uh, Anti-inflammatories and other medications that specifically work on nerve pain can help also. Uh, trigger point injections are another good option to relieve some muscle spasms that are associated with the impingements of the nerves and epidural injections, which would be uh, kind of a, a more invasive, but usually pretty effective procedure, especially in the acute phase, to calm down inflammation directly around the nerve root. Lastly, you, patients may need uh, surgery, but that would be a last resort, and that's really meant to, to stabilize the spine and relieve uh, any of that um, radiating pain down the arms or the legs and really stabilize the spine from getting any worse uh, and any more neurologic issues. So my last question is, how can we prevent 
having radiculopathy or myelopathy if we have osteoarthritis? What can the patients do um, to not have progressive problems? That's a really good question. <laughs> uh, usually arthritis is progressive and uh, does get worse with age. Uh, there isn't uh, as much as we that we can do to keep the progression from from going as much as we would like. Uh, one of the main things that we can do is weight loss, especially for the low back. That's been the only thing that's uh, shown to really slow down progression of arthritis. In addition to that, uh, proper uh, body mechanics, strengthening of the appropriate muscles of the the uh, the core. Um, the core muscles in the low back and uh, specific muscles in the neck, like the neck flexor muscles, strengthening specific areas, working on the posture, uh, can can be helpful more as a preventative measure to keep it from, you know, from getting worse and worse. Uh, and really keeping up with a good exercise program is helpful. Uh, stretching every day is very helpful also. Uh, specifically for myelopathy, it's very important to educate the patient on signs and symptoms that we discussed uh, earlier that uh, they should be on the lookout for to see if they have any significant progression of the issue. And for myelopathy, it's very important for patients to get appropriate balance and gait training to make sure that they're not falling because if they, they are at a higher risk for falling due to balance issues as it is, and if they do fall and have an injury to the neck, it may cause a severe spinal cord injury, including paralysis and uh, other significant issues. So I always educate the patients with any suspected myelopathy to avoid any um, excessive hyperextension or um, backward movement of the neck and to evaluate their home for any potential fall hazards and I make sure that they're using either a cane or a walker if they're having a lot of walking or balance issues for safety with walking. Um, it's also important to reevaluate patients uh, pretty frequently at every visit and make sure there are no new neurologic signs that you should be aware of. There are also medications you can use for myelopathy as well. However, a lot of them are sedating and cause dizziness, and so those should be really used with caution in patients with myelopathy. And also, lastly, uh, surgical evaluation can be uh, recommended for myelopathy as well because uh, that's really the only treatment that will stabilize the spine and really will decompress the spine. However, uh, you know, a patient needs to be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis for this because it's, uh, they have to take into consideration other risks of surgery, etc. for each patient. But that is something that patients should be evaluated for as well. Um, you use a very good uh, medication, Tromil and Zeal, that is very different than steroids for uh, pain management. Can you uh, briefly tell our listeners about uh, your experience and how that has helped patients? Absolutely. I, I'm a big proponent for uh, more homeopathic and more natural type of treatments for patients uh, that, that are you know, not causing a lot of side effects for patients. And I do use uh, several different medications. One of them is Tramil. This is a mix of different minerals and, and plants. Uh, it's homeopathic, you know, and, and it's, 
it's really supposed to help with inflammation and with pain for patients. I use it a lot for uh, trigger point injections in conjunction with some numbing medications like lidocaine. And I have really good results with uh, patients reporting back to me that they have improved pain. And I couple uh, my trigger point injections oftentimes with manipulation, uh, my osteopathic manipulation. And patients get really good relief, at least even if it's temporary, they get good relief of pain. Uh, and we have another medication that we use specifically more for arthritis into the joints, like for the knee, for example, which is called Zeal. And so uh, sometimes combination of the Zeal and the Tramiel uh, for the knee will really do good things for patients and help to, um, help to preserve, you know, so to speak, their joint health. What do you think about yoga and its beneficial effects for osteoarthritis? Oh, yoga is wonderful <laughs> to tolerance for patients. I think it can uh, it can help keep them pliable, keep the muscles uh, stretched um, within the patient's limits and can really help them to maintain more mobility. Thank you, Dr. Gorbal, and, and we will see you next uh, week with another podcast. Please leave comments or send us an email uh, as to what you would like to hear um, and subscribe to our uh, channel on YouTube um, and on um, Apple iTunes uh, for more information. This is Millennium Medical and Rehab. We are located 1075 Central Park Avenue in Scarsdale, New York. And our phone number is 914-472-2700 or visit us on the web, mmrclinic.com. Thank you. Thank you all. Stay healthy.